Would you bet a few thousand dollars that you could sink an eight-foot putt? What about 10 grand that you could win a drag race against a Camaro with a thousand horsepower? If you bet $2 million, could you bet it all on one football game? Maybe you wish you could, but you probably wouldn't. Gamblers is about the people who did. From the Ringer Podcast Network, listen to Gamblers Season 2 on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Welcome to the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. My name is Danny Heifetz. I am joined by Danny Kelly and Craig Quarlbeck. Today it is power hour every week. We are power ranking something on Wednesdays during the season. This week, we are once again power ranking our buy lows or sell highs after three weeks. All our best trade advice. We did it last week. People loved it. We're going right back to the well. This is peak yeah. trade season right now. This is all people are talking about. It is. It's Everyone still thinks they can win if they can just fix something. If only I can trade my bad bench players for your best starter, I will then win. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm I'm uh, Matt Damon in The Departed where he's like, look, I'm Irish. I'll, I'll do this thing till I'm dead, till I'm like 70 or whatever. You got to tell me there's a problem. That's how I am with my teams. I never try and fix anything. But this applies to people who are 3-0 and 0-3. We got a lot of emails today being like, I'm 3-0. I don't think my team is that good. I'm trying to ship everybody out. And I got we got a lot of, I'm 0-3. I'm dying. I'm desperate. I need help. <laughs> my family's starving. Yeah. <laughs> Spend less on candles. Yeah. So obviously, obviously, buy low players we think will do better going forward. Sell high players we think will do worse. But also it's like about perception. So that's sometimes we're going to argue on this about whether a player will do better or not. Sometimes what we're arguing about is, yeah, sure, the player will get better. But like the person who has Alvin Kamara knows that Alvin Kamara won't just have six points a game forever. So right. it, it, can you get a discount? Whatever. That's honestly, we probably argue more about whether the discount exists or not. So with that said, we're going to go through, we're going to do it Power Hour style. If you're not familiar with Power Owl, Power Owl, I said Power Owl. That'll be next week. We'll power rank owls. Power Owls. <laughs> DK and Craig both sent me their list of buy low, sell highs. I made my own. I ranked them this week. So if you don't like the order, you can hopefully Craig or DK speaks on your behalf about how stupid I am. Uh, we're going to go uh, ranking them one to 10. Every two minutes, you will hear this sound from Tom Tom Club. Incredible. Yep. <laughs> ah, we can hear it now. <laughs> so I have a we have an admission to make. Yeah. Confession time. We have not been hearing that in our headphones uh the entire time we've been doing this. Craig. Been making it post. up. We know what Tom Tom is and sounds like, but we have not heard it every time. We have had a timer at two minutes 
So we knew what the time was. Now we have Kai. Shout out Kai, who's actually playing it. Kai. Um, but yeah. Yeah, art is a lie. None of it was real. It was all <laughs> fake. It was, I, we, I, we were like, I had to have a second computer sharing a screen in the Zoom to have the timer up so we could see it. I had to add the music in and post because I couldn't handle all that while recording. All that's changed now, baby. Part of the reason we've been highly disrespectful to the Tom Tom Club. <laughs> music whatever it's definitely it's a it's a different feeling now like having that music in your ears gets me hyped up so again i'm ranking buy low sell highs all the trade advice one big thing we're just gonna get into it how did you rank these hive it's based on what your what, what you thought was the smartest move your favorite move the the gutsiest call uh ones that i just nodded to most vigorously in okay order. like right. when i saw them and i looked at them i'm like yeah, yeah, yeah that's a good idea like i i can't like quantify that for you but that's like basically the metric i used as we went down here there's like right. one exception all right. With that said, oh God, Kai, start the clock. Number one, DK and I both had this one. DK, I'll let you do it. Buy low on Joe Mixon, Bengals running back. DK, yeah. take it away. This one feels pretty clear. Uh, he leads the NFL in touches so far, 71 touches. He's third in rush attempts, fourth in targets with 20. He's getting 100% of the Bengals goal line looks or close to it. He's getting most of the long down and distance looks, which means lots of dump offs and things of that nature. He just hasn't scored a touchdown yet. Like, that's the big thing. And I think that the Bengals' offense is better than it has shown so far. There's still going to be the issue where teams are playing them, like, too high stuff, trying to eliminate the explosive play. That'll be good for Mixon long-term. Um, I don't know. I just think he's about ready to explode. Right now, he is the RB16 in PPR, which is, I mean, probably, it's not, like, dramatically bad, but it's definitely worse than a lot of people were expecting. If someone's ready to kind of jump ship and think he's, thinks he's not going to do do what he was expected to do, or maybe they're just afraid of this little injury thing that's happening right now. Uh, what was the injury that he had? So he tweaked his ankle and on Sunday, and then they're play, the Bengals are playing the Dolphins on Thursday, so we're recording this Tuesday. So he's probably going to play. He's probably fine. If he doesn't have a great Thursday game, Thursday game, don't care. I'm with you, DK. It's very, the case for Mixon super simple. He leads the NFL in goal-to-go snaps. Like he, Joe Mixon's among running backs. 22 times, you know, it's first and goal, second and goal, whatever. Joe Mixon's been on the field 22 times. He's zero touchdowns. 22 snaps and goal to go is literally more than Austin Eckler and Dalvin Cook combined. And yet Joe Mixon has not scored a touchdown. So he's <laughs> going to get them in bunches. Like hopefully, you know, if yeah. you don't have them Thursday or maybe, you know, if it's short week, whatever, coming off the injury. But when Joe Mixon starts to have like a two or three touchdown game, which I think is going to happen soon, the person who has them is going to be like, oh, thank God. You know, right now, the person as Joe Mixon probably isn't thinking of him as a top four running back, but Joe Mixon is a top four running back. Yeah. It just hasn't happened yet. Yeah, the underlying utilization, the usage, the way that they're basically just feeding him the rock, everything is is very positive. It just hasn't really happened production-wise yet. So I think that's going to happen, though. This is a great call. Tom Tom! Wow, that was clean. Woo! <laughs> great song. <laughs> we used to look at the timer and we'd kind of know when things are wrapping up. Now we're flying blind. Yeah. <laughs> wow. As it should be. Stunning. Great song. Okay. It really is. It really is. It's a good song. It's great. So all three of us had this. Uh, Craig, if you want, go for it. Sell high and Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Chiefs running. Man, this, uh, we're running this back from last week because once again, he somehow eked out a, a decent performance on barely getting the football. He had seven rushes for zero yards and a touchdown last week. Clyde Edwards-Alaire... <laughs> Out of all running That's backs, incredible. he's 41st in carries. He's, and this is among running backs, he's 60, 62nd in snaps, 33rd in routes, 18th in total yards. 
but and he's fourth in points per game. Yeah. 62nd in snaps, but fourth in points per game is pretty insane. It is wild. He is a castle built out of paper mache. Sell him paper. right now. He plays less snaps than his teammate, Jarek McKinnon. He's also, he's the only running back of the top 38 running backs in fantasy who has caught every single one of his targets. He's 12 for 12 on targets. So here's the problem. This is obvious, right? This makes a ton of sense. The problem is you go to trade for him and the person's like, oh, okay, let me look at Clyde. And they click, they see seven carries, zero yards. That's obviously very concerning. It is tough. They so, need to just look at the points scored, not points. the stat lines. Yeah. Send them so, a link to the list of like the top running backs in fantasy. That's yes. all they need to see. Don't look at this other stuff. Look at this. It's curb appeal. That's what we're looking for. It's got a great view, this house does. Don't worry about what's inside just the house. figure out how to pull the wool over their eyes, you know? Pivots, you look perplexed. I'm trying to think of like what wide receiver you would get back for Clyde that you're like, this is this is good. This is the person. Like DJ Moore. Would you Mike play Williams? trade Clyde Mike for Williams? DJ Moore? Mike Williams is pretty good. Okay. Craig, did you have Mike Williams on your list? I did. I had him as a as a buy low. You think oh. you could get Mike Williams for Clyde though? You think? I mean, Clyde's the RB4, man, after three well, weeks. Well, I mean, considering that Herbert's hurt and Rayshon Slater's like, you know, their left tackle's out for the season. Yeah, that sucks. Maybe, yeah, maybe someone would be willing to trade, like get off the Mike Williams train since Herbert's all banged up. But I think that's a good call. Somebody kind of in that range. Wow. This, this is incredible. I wonder if everyone listening is like really disappointed with us that we were lying. <laughs> the whole time. Like, it wasn't a lie. We just couldn't hear it. It's like every two minutes, I just get this uplifting music in my ear. Wow. And it makes me so happy. Also, now that I feel this angst when we're kind of like winding down in our conversation and it hasn't played yet. I used to know how much time we had left. Now yeah. I don't. <laughs> All right. This next one, DK and Craig, you both had this. TK, why don't you take this? Buy low on Traylon Burks, Titans wide receiver. I thought this is excellent. I actually had this one too. This was yeah. all three of us. So once again, rookie receivers are just taking the league by storm pretty much. Uh, Drake London leads his team in receiving. Chris Olave leads his team in receiving. Uh, several other guys are already like full-time starters. Traylon Burks has worked his way into being a full-time starter for this team. His route participation is up to 96% from last week. Um, that started out really low. And, and basically he's had to more or less work his way into game shape, I guess, based on kind of like all the different reports that we saw or heard in uh, Titans training camp. Um, you know, there was indications, it seemed, that Mike Vrabel just absolutely fucking hated this guy because he was like, I keep using like the gif, like the wrong kid died. You guys haven't seen Dewey, the Dewey Cox story, uh, Walk Hard, but uh, basically Dewey kills his brother and then his dad just says the Dewey, uh, the wrong kid died for the rest of the movie. Um, oh, okay, good. I'm glad you added the context. Super, super. He, he uh, cuts him in half. He, he cuts him in half, and it's a real bad oh. case of being cut in half. Um, and his brother dies, and so basically, I that's bet it's AJ. funnier in the movie. Uh, yeah, I would, I would think so. <laughs> the way I explained it was maybe not like the best delivery, but AJ <laughs> Brown, the wrong kid died. AJ Brown was, you know, the apple <laughs> of Mike Vrabel's eye. Traylon Burks, not so much. Doesn't like him. Doesn't practice enough for for Mike Vrabel's, you know. Wants and needs, but it seems as though that's in the past because now Traylon Burks is like basically a full-time starter for this team, and the production is going to come. Yards per route run, yards per uh, and targets per route run are both really, really strong for Traylon Burks. Like he's getting targets, he's getting looks. The production is coming. That's the bottom line. Yeah, he ran a route on every single one of Tannehill's passes last week, and like that's all you need to know. He ran almost as many routes last week as he did the first two weeks combined. I think that. The key here is this. He's, again, one catch for 13 yards last week. The person who has Traylon Burks is probably considering, like, cutting him. Totally. 
And even if they love him and like would never do that because he's like a good whatever, the person who has him fundamentally has probably lost some faith that he'll contribute. And so this is kind of what we're talking about where I wouldn't give up anything of value because you could probably give up a bench player. Just got right. trailing Burks. Tom, Tom, baby. It's a great song. All right, next one. <laughs> Craig. Yeah. You have sell high on Steelers running back Najee Harris. I do. Sadly, I do. Uh, right now, he's got a great sticker value because of, he's put up double-digit points in every game this year, which, which, me, which matters. Nine yeah. points is very different than 10 points visually to somebody you're trying to trade with. He's over 10 points every game this year. Um, the differences between last year and this year with Najee are, are, are kind of stark. Last year, he played over 80% of snaps. This year, he's only playing 69. Last year, the backup was Benny Snell, who played less than 10% of snaps. This year, the backup, rookie Jalen Warren, has played almost 30% of snaps. Looks good, um, too. Yeah, like Najee's not catching as many passes. He's staying in to block more because Trubisky needs help and doesn't get rid of the ball as quickly as Ben Roethlisberger used to. And, you know, if you really look at Najee Harris's total touches per game, you know, how many targets he's seeing, how many snaps he's playing, he's really no different than like a Josh Jacobs and an A.J. Dillon right now, which is a massive bummer, but it's not going to get any easier. So my recommendation is try and sell him now, but if you can't, and you can't get good value, it's okay, hold on, because they're playing the Jets this week. And maybe he can have one more good game. Mm. But then after that, I said this on the last pod, but I'm going to read through it again. This is who the Steelers are playing for the next seven weeks after they play the Jets. The Bills, the Bucks, in order. The Dolphins, the Eagles, the Saints, and then the Bengals. That is the next seven weeks for the Steelers. It's not going to get any easier if it's Pickett or Trubisky playing quarterback. So um, if you can get anything good right now, do it, but hold one more week, sell him for a receiver. You know, we Mike Williams, I mentioned, uh, uh, Devontae Adams, if you if you could somehow. Cortland you could Sutton. not get Devontae Adams from Najee Harris right now. Maybe not. I mean, he's had two bad weeks in a row, but people like that, you know, maybe get Mike Williams, maybe Debo Samuel's kind of the same thing. He's putting up like 10 points a game. If you could swap those, something like that. Heifetz, do you not see wild trades in your leagues? Like, I feel like I see plenty of weird trades that I'm like, what? Like, you know, in, in plenty of my leagues, I think you should, you got to shoot your shot. You got to at least try. Yeah, you do have to try. And like, that is, they always ask. I think that. I have a, well, I have a hypothetical real quick. Okay. Um, I was asked this on the Fantasy Pros pod today. Would you rather have James Robinson or Najee the rest of the year? Tom Tom just saves us from having to answer the question. I mean, I, I mean, <laughs> saved by the bell. I would, man, it's a bummer. This is Isn't actually it close. Isn't it kind of close? The crazy thing is you have to think about it, which is because well, the problem is, is Jacksonville is like objectively a better offense and they're going to be in a much yeah. better pot game script right. most of the time. That's like the big surprise this year is that they might actually be leading for a lot of games. I think that James Robinson, while I like him a lot, probably like the last couple of weeks have probably been about as good as he'll do this season, but it does feel like Mike Tomlin might be stubborn enough to just not play Kenny Pickett, right? And that they just stick with Trubisky. And as long as they play with Trubisky, it's kind of like really tough to see Najee doing well. Realistic, ah, man, <laughs> you probably have to take Najee. I kind of feel like Travis Etienne will play more as the season goes on. But yeah, it's crazy. You have to think I don't know. About it's tough. Yeah. All right. Next one here. You two both have this. I put this fifth. If I'm being honest, I already regret putting it fifth, and I kind of need you two to convince me that it should be fifth. Uh, like, I don't, don't agree with it? it. I know no, what you're going to say. It's, you two both have by low and Kadarius Tony. <laughs> yeah, baby! I mean... <laughs> it's finally come. It's, it's not going to cost you very... The, here's the key thing. It won't cost you that much. I think that's true. They're probably debating cutting him, which is the only reason I put it fifth, which was... I think that this is with the caveat that, like... Someone that you might cut could just get you Kadarius Tony. Other than that, no. 
Well, here's here was my reasoning is basically the Giants are going to have no fucking choice but to play this guy yes. because all their other receivers are getting hurt or or whatever, not very good. Like right now, their leading receivers, I guess, are David Sills, the fifth, who is and, fantastic, by the way. I'll have, you know, I don't know uh, if I'd go that far. Did you see him fall down and get the and end have the game end basically on a pick? Yeah, he was I responsible. Did. He was for just trying to run a slant route. He has been down. excellent. Don't don't do not dare. What's going he's on been with you? Wonderful. And Sills. Otherwise, he's you great. know him. Vince loves Sills. He's just like running a bunch of routes, not doing anything with him. It's just like empty calories. You have Richie James and David Sills the fifth, and Sterling yeah. Shepard just tore his ACL on one of the most bizarre non-contact. So I've never seen. seen anything. In sports, like Sterling Shepard, he didn't even jogging. change directions. Wasn't sprinting; he was jogging. He was slowing and down, slowing down, and exactly you said, DK. Usually, ACL. A lot of times, the non-contacts are based on an unexpected forcing of a change of direction. Like you're trying to go somewhere, and then a player comes, and then you have to change direction suddenly, and that's what happened. Literally, nobody there. Unre- I've never seen anything like that. And then Kenny Galladay is in the doghouse, dropped a crucial pass this week. Oh my, Kenny Galladay out here literally saying, I can't believe I'm not playing. I need to be the starter. Gets the biggest pass at the biggest moment of the game. Just goes through his hands. I kind of honestly feel, I'm like starting to feel bad for Galladay. I know how much money he's making. I get it. It still sucks though. It's like, man, what happened? He was so good for a couple of years with the Lions. Um, I I see your point though, where Tony is going to have to play. Because Sterling I mean, Shepard going down, he he now has to step up. Sterling Shepard has was 13th in the NFL in target share, aka the percentage of a quarterback's passes that go to a certain player. 13th. He's been see, he was seeing 29% of Daniel Jones's targets. Like there is a lot of of passes to go around. And Tony and Wandale, uh, Dayball said that they're getting closer to game action. So if one or either of them can play, like I, I think I, you're right. I, yeah, I said this on a different pod too, but it's like try not to lose sight of the big picture, the long term during a season, every week can seem like monumental, like, oh, my God, you know, this, that or the other thing happened. We have to change our complete outlooks for what's going to happen the rest of the season. It's like keep the keep a long view. Remember that a lot of times, not every time, but a lot of time talent wins out. Tony is very clearly very talented. I will if wait. He just ev- get back I will on the wait. Field. He just already weeks. has a hamstring injury is the problem. I will <laughs> yeah. hold on to Kadarius Tony every single game of the season. I don't care. I'm never dropping him. <laughs> Diamond I, hands. I, yeah. <laughs> Just give up some, don't give up that much for him. He's already hurt. Okay. Next one, Craig and I both had this. Craig, you can say your piece or whatever. I, I, it's by low on Tom Brady. He's the, he's the quarterback 28 yeah, right that's now. Easy. He's, he's the 28th highest scoring quarterback in fantasy. I mean, this, this is like half wishful thinking as somebody who drafted him for the first time ever this year and half common sense. Like the Bucs, first of all, they've played three top 10 defenses to start the year. They've had maybe the worst receiving core of Brady's career in the la- last week. Uh, they're not uh, throwing same, as much. He's he's averaging eight less passes per game than he was last year. And look, look, Mike Evans is going to be back. Julio Jones is expected to play this week. God, Godwin, hopefully back in a few weeks or so. Um, and the schedule is just like really opening up. They're playing the Chiefs this week. It's just Brady's not washed as much. I know I say it all the time. I don't think he's washed. He looks good still. He just has literally nobody to throw to. Brady has t- he has six more points than Cooper Rush. <laughs> That's fucking crazy. What the fuck, I would say man? that when you try to trade for him. I think to your point, <laughs> the thing with Brady, look, half the people who have Brady probably just love Brady, would never get rid of him, but you have to check because the person who has Brady in your league is absolutely going to be open to trading him because they're at the very least what they're that's really what we're talking about too with with Bylos is like at the end of the day when you ask in a text, are you open to trading this person? 
maybe they don't tell you, but they tell themselves like, yeah, I would, I, 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 maybe I should get rid of this guy. Brady, everyone's going to think about it because he has, at least they're thinking about not playing him. Craig, I think hit a really crucial point. These might be the best three defenses the Bucks play all, all year is, you know, the Cowboys, the Packers, uh, the Saints. Like those are good defenses. And it just came at this perfect time with the confluence of the offensive line injuries, the receiver injuries, Evans being out. And so here's the thing. I don't know if all those things are going to get fixed. Like their interior offensive line might just stay hurt. Their receivers might just stay banged up. But like it has to probably get better than just relying on like hamstring pull Russell Gage to gut through it plus Prashad Perriman. So I think that you're right, Craig. And that the other thing is the Bucs can't run the ball. They have to throw it. And that's the other key is like, as long as they continue to not really be, have that power running game, not run at the goal line, Brady's going to have the quick game like that. Brady's going to be throwing 40 times a week. I feel like, so I already said this, I think on the pod, but like, man, this is such a clear indication to me of how important receivers are in the NFL. Like if having a bunch of Keystone cops at receiver for the Buccaneers with Tom Brady, you know, at quarterback, like if they can't really run their offense the way they want to, that to me just tells you how important these receivers are. And it, it kind of validates why the NFL went out and went absolutely just nuts for receivers this offseason in terms of like the receiver contracts and trades and all that stuff. Um, we've seen the impact that receivers have making on are making on the Dolphins. We're seeing the impact it's making on Jalen Hurts. Receivers are important. Big picture, I mean, it's kind of saying teams are trying to either pay their quarterback to be a difference maker or your receiver to be a difference maker. I guess really teams are really trying to find one or two guys who are like, who's the person that makes everyone else's job easier? What teams have the found force that when multiplier. you pay the force yeah. multiplier, yeah, the person who just is making everyone, yeah, force multiplier is a good word for it. The teams that are paying running backs to do that, it's not going well, right? Like the Panthers <laughs> paying McCaffrey, like the, right. it's not going, Titans playing Henry, like Cowboys paying Zeke, none of that's going well. Teams that paying quarterbacks, Mahomes getting paid, Josh Allen getting paid, Ravens are someone's going to, have to pay Lamar. Like that's obviously working. And then the teams that don't have to do that, like the Dolphins, they don't know if they want to pay two, so they'll you know the trade pay for Tyreek. Um, we'll see about the Raiders with Devontae, but like he seems to be playing well. It's very clear that the teams that don't have the force multiplier quarterback are seeking the force multiplier receiver. I was yeah, I was talking to uh, Jeff Chow actually about Devontae Smith uh, and how his catch radius is like the size of a freaking, I don't even know what, like it's, it's massive. And just the difference between that and like Jalen Rager, where it's just like, unless you actually just hit him directly in the hands, like he's not going to catch ball. Like that kind of difference is like nuanced and subtle, but not really that subtle because it's super important. You saw what Devonte Smith did this afternoon or this weekend. You saw what guys like T Higgins can do in terms of just like taking a pass. That's absolutely no business being like completed and like making that play. Um, Anyway, so I know this is a huge tangent, no. but, tangent, but it's just, I think it's so c crucial to have guys. It's such a cliche, but it's so crucial. Have a guy who will make a play. Stop. Scotty Miller is not that guy. I think, I, I mean, I think about that with like, speaking of Jalen Hurts, I think about Carson Wentz too. I don't think Carson Wentz is good by any means. I don't think the Washington offense is good, but even Wentz, obviously mildly more success with Washington thus far than he had in Indianapolis passing wise. And you think about the difference of him having like, you know, the Dotson, the go up and get it guy, I guess a yeah. little bit like Pittman to a degree, but then Curtis Samuel, who's like a guy you can get the ball quickly in space. You know, the receiver, you can manufacture touches for near the line of scrimmage, which is what in Indianapolis. Um, oh my God. Ohio state. I'm forgetting his name. Cause he's so irrelevant all the time. The Paris Ohio Campbell state cult Paris Campbell, who Just was supposed sprints. to be like Curtis Samuel, but he's <laughs> yeah. terrible. And yeah, it's like, you know, if you're not that accurate, 
you need guys who can help you. So it, it, all it just it okay. tilts the scales when you have a guys like that for like totally. quarterbacks who kind of are middling. And so those 50-50 balls become more like 70-30 balls when you have the right well, receiver. Well, it's like that old saying, I forget, the Brett Favre, I forget who the saying, but just basically, it's a very, it's a coaching thing. It's probably a Walsh or someone. But the, the door test of like, uh, every NFL quarterback needs to be able to throw a football through a doorway from like 30 yards away. And like the good ones can hit the doorknob. Yeah. And the elite, there's two or three that can hit the key. Like, you need to be able to hit the keyhole. Like, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, they can hit the keyhole on the on the door from 30 yards away. And for the people who cannot do that, helps to be able to catch the ball. All right. Next one here, call my own number. I have Bilo on Dolphins running back Raheem Mostert. Mm. Interesting. So, first of all, I always get the name wrong. It is Mostert. Mostert? Mostert? Heifetz always says Mostert. It's Mostert. Mostert. Okay. Must start. Sorry. All right. I apologize to the people listening who've heard this a thousand times and I can never get it right. Anyway, just starting running back. No one knows it yet. I think a key part of Bilo that sometimes, and we're guilty of it too, it's really annoying. Sometimes it's like Bilo and Joe Mixon. And then you ask the guy in your league and it's like, well, no, they don't want to trade Joe Mixon. Like, here's the reality of fantasy football. No one wants to trade their starters, like ever. That's most people. It's very difficult to even find three people who actually want to give away a starter. It's really actually way easier to find a bench player that is probably going to be starter worthy or already is and no one knows it yet. Raheem Oster is starting running with the Dolphins. He literally got the majority of snaps last week. He got, but it doesn't look like it because the Bills only ran 39 freaking plays. Mm. So he had what, like eight carries last week. It looked ugly, whatever they're playing the Bills defense, but he is the starter. The Dolphins schedule gets so much easier. I mean, think about who the Dolphins have played, you know, Pat's defense week one. And then, you know, uh, Bills last week, they played the Ravens. Like, you know, generally speaking, above average defenses, Bills defense is really good. As the Dolphins offense, like, you know, they play more, they're running more. Raheem Mostert's going to get more work. But like the person has Raheem Mostert probably has no loyalty to him. You know what I mean? Like he hasn't had any really noteworthy fantasy performances. So I feel like he's extremely acquirable. And yet I kind of think like a couple weeks from now, he's like totally could be your flex every week that he's healthy and it'd be fine. And you're just kind of picking up. It's not like some like crazy league winning move. It's just he's going to probably get like 10 or 11 points every week the rest of the season. You just get him for like free. Yeah, I like that. It's tough because, you know, there's such it's such a rotation with Chase Edmonds. I'm looking at some of the like underlying usage numbers and it's like, you know, Edmonds is getting all the passing stuff and he's also getting more of the the goal to go stuff. So I don't know. Like it's, it's, this one's tough to me because I think that Mostert has a pretty low floor, but he's also like potentially a high ceiling in terms of like being a part of this offense. He's, he's really fucking explosive. Like he's one of the most explosive running backs in the NFL. If he gets a little bit of space. Um, so I don't know how to feel about, I I agree with you. He's not like some league winning thing. That's why I have him low down on this list. It, 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 this is not like, oh my God, I'll just pu- put him as my like top two. If he's your second running back, that's bad. What I'm saying is if you have injuries, if you have DeAndre Swift, who's probably not going to play the next two weeks, plus, you know, uh, a bye after that. Or if you have, you know, Kamara and you're worried about his ribs. Like if you, injuries at the running back position, if you had Elijah Mitchell and you kind of just need a stopgap, you need to fill a spot. You, I think you should check if you can get Raheem Mostert for like nothing. Because again, the person who has him, Raheem, he had one point last week. Yeah. He had under four points in week one. My point is, I actually think that the person who has him would give him away as a throw-in and a different deal. 
Like he he does not have value to the person who has him. He's a great kind of throw. Yeah, he's a great throw. In. It's I one like of those that. trades where like if you tried to just trade for him, you know, specifically, Sus. they'd be like, "Wait, why do you want him? Maybe I like <laughs> what, him now." What don't I know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Tom Sawyer. It's the same thing with a lot of these guys. I'll, you know what? I'll just do another one I'm doing back-to-back. I'm just going to back-to-back. All right. Similar vibes on Brandon Cooks for the Texans. Mm. And I have, I think of these the same way, which is Glansburg. Brandon Cooks. We haven't talked about him once this year. <laughs> borderline starting for people. And again, it's infinitely easier to trade for someone on someone's bench. That's been fine. Brandon Cooks is 64th in fantasy points among wide receivers, but he's 14th in targets. So he's literally 50 mm. spots higher in targets than fantasy points. I just think they're going to meet in the middle somewhere. Like he'll go up. Texans offense has been awful. I kind of think it can't be worse than it's been like the passing offense. Davis Mills does not look good. I'm not saying it's going to be sexy. I'm saying it's the rare instance where the person who has Brandon Cooks probably doesn't care that much. We talk about like the stars don't want to screw their stars. The Ikea effect where it's like if you have a player, you, it, like, like people love their Ikea furniture because they made it. You find some <laughs> sleeper and they have one good week. You feel smart and justified. Like I got to hold on to this guy forever. The way Craig like had Kadarius Tony one week last year and we'll never let him go. Like no one has that with Brandon Cooks. No one's attached. You can They're, they're very easily removed from the situation. So I think that's part of it. And it's the same thing as Raheem Mostert. It's not some league winning thing. It's not some huge splashy move. It's like you ask about their best receivers. Like, hey, can I have Jamar Chase? And they're like, no. And they're like, oh, could I have like uh, uh, Mike Evans? And they're like, no. And he's like, oh, fine. What about like, oh, I don't know, uh, Brandon Cooks? And you're like, oh, fine. And like, I'll take uh, David and Joker. And it's like, cool. Yeah. Great. That, I hate how that actually does work sometimes. <laughs> you got to start high and then meet in the middle. Yeah. Cooks has a 28% target percentage which is extremely high that's like top 10 in the league and again it's just it's another guy that to be part of it it's so much more complicated than this but sometimes when you're making a trade it really just does come down to when the person's giving up looks at their thing and they're like 11.73 oh yeah let me get i don't who care you know what i mean like if like even joe mixon who we sat of as a buy low when the person going to trade him away looks they see 18 points week one 10 and five and you're hoping they see the five last week. What they see is the 18 in week one. And they're terrified. What if he does that again? The players who don't have any of that yet are just easier to get. So would you give up Clyde Edwards Hilaire for Brandon Cooks? I think that's a really good example of like depending. It depends on a lot on your team, et cetera, et cetera. That's probably one where you could try to just get another person, right? Depends on the name value and how people you feel. You can get like, like Clyde, with, Clyde for Cooks if, and Mostert. Yeah. yeah, Clyde for Cooks and Mostert. <laughs> that would be executing like, our entire show to wow. absolute yeah, perfection. That's, that's a good example of like, that sounds really boring, but it's kind of the point. In week like eight, you could look like a genius. Yeah, exactly. That's a really good example, actually. I would def- I would do that. All right. Okay. Next one here. I also want to be convinced on this, DK. And I'm curious. I'm curious to your argument here. Mm. You have Bilo and Debo Samuel. Yeah. Here, here's the deal. Um, I am not pretending that Debo Samuel is going to have the same season he had last year. I think that's kind of out of the picture. He was always going to regress. Like he was just way too efficient. It was a massive, massive outlier. I think he's a really good player. But to expect him to have like, he averaged 10 yards after the catch last year. Like he scored um, eight rushing touchdowns, you know, on whatever it was, how many amount of carries. It wasn't enough. It was, he had 59 rushes and he scored eight touchdowns. Like he's not going to hit those numbers this year. However, he's on pace to touch the ball 164 times last year. He touched it 136 times last year. He's, he's going to out touch himself. That sounds weird. He's going to have more touches this year. <laughs> 
that came out weird. Um, <laughs> he's going to just t- touch the hell out of himself. Uh, he's going to have, he's on pace for more touches. This year, I will never year. think about us using the term touches ever again. God, I just way. derailed this. I was really on a roll there, I think. Um, no, the bottom line is his target rate is higher this year than it was last year. He's going to have more touches this year than last year. It's about volume. And with the 49ers having a more injury situation, more injury issues at running back, like they're going to use him as a running back. He's going to get like red zone stuff, I think. And and so like, I don't know. I still think he has way more value than he than he's uh, shown after three weeks. He's the yeah. wide receiver 31 after three so weeks. So I don't disagree with like anything you said. I just don't think that he's a buy low. Like, I don't think anyone who has Debo Samuel is like, disappointed enough to trade him at like you'd have to give up something spectacular like Debo's the kind of guy that you're like oh he hasn't been excellent I'll pluck him from their starting lineup and you text someone and they're like you want Debo and you don't want to give me like a freak like a starting like a running back or something like I don't think anyone's like upset with Debo this far I feel like every every one of these is like you're trying to psychoanalyze everybody in the world like you only need one person who's sick of Debo and thinks he's not very good anymore I think you're both right. I think DK is correct to assume that like Debo's going to get better and he's been middling. But I also I also lean with high fits where like he hasn't been that bad. It's kind of like Najee Harris. Like he's scored double digit points every single week. And and people who drafted him this year are probably people who either had him last year or know how good he is. And I, I think it's still a little early for them to be ready yeah. to ship Debo. I think people are op- generally optimistic. I think it, I mean, it's, I feel like it's almost a fact. People are generally speaking more forgiving of their own players than others. And I think people are like, well, oh, you know, the week one. I didn't, I, did, I didn't do any polls on the confidence people have in, in, in Debo. I just say That's he's going to do way better than he ha- has done for three weeks. Well, you know what's weird, Hyvitz, is I almost think it's the opposite. I think people are less confident about their players on any given week when they're on their own team. But then when the prospect of giving them up comes up, they are completely closed off to it. Like, yeah. I have no faith in my players when they're on my team. But the second somebody wants them, I no longer want to get rid of them. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, last one here. Speaking of which, DK, you have sell high in court Cordero Patterson. Yeah, this one to me is just, I almost put this one DK. Okay. That makes me feel better. I obviously like every time you sell high, it's a little bit ballsy because there's a chance that they're just fucking outliers and they're ridiculously good throughout the whole year. Like that's why selling high is kind of hard sometimes, but he is currently the running back five and half PPR. Like to me, this is his peak. Uh, this is a team that's probably <laughs> going to be playing from behind the majority of the time this season. Um, you know, in trailing scripts, he's not going to get quite as many carries. The, Atlanta has the third hardest strength of schedule going forward for running backs, according to Fantasy Pros. I saw this today. And then the other thing is, like, Patterson's just not catching passes in this offense. Like, again, this is a what are you doing, Arthur Smith type of question. Like, wh- why are you turning him into a pure running back? The value he brings is because he's so good at pass catching. Like, ugh, God, it annoys the shit out of me. Um, so basically, yeah, that's my idea is he's he's surviving on volume. He has uh, 49 rushes this year, which is top 10 in the NFL. Uh, he's 31 or 32 or whatever he is. He's over 30. Like, do we think he's going to hold up for a full season being a top 10 guy in terms of carries? And also, is he going to continue to get that many carries? Because I think they're going to be playing from behind more than you think. The reason why I like this is because He's the running back five right now, and DK was like, this is his peak. And I think people would look back at last year and be like, well, he was the running back nine last year. Like, he's just doing it again. But he wasn't really. He just played every game last year, which is rare for a running back. In points per game, he was actually the 19th 
best running back last year. He only averaged 13 points a game. And the biggest difference is he caught 52 balls last year. And that yeah. type of like production is not happening this year. So my he fear has four is four catches in three games. Right. So it's like if this also uh Damien Williams, their their running back is going to be coming back. They have that rookie Tyler Algier. Like I just think that there's a there's a there's a high likelihood that he's not going to be just seeing the volume he's seeing and the game script he's seeing right now. So who would you give him up for? Like uh Cordell that's Patterson really, or like Amari I mean, Cooper? That's a good question. Um, man, I don't know. that. Like, I would, like, I'm just looking at other running backs. Like, say, Christian I would trade Kirk. like Jamal Williams, maybe, or. I would give him up like for Christian Kareem Kirk. Hunt. Christian Kirk is a good one. It's good to, it's good to, uh, to switch positions Cross when pollinate. doing this. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Juju. Mm, I don't know. That's close. But like, I thought what you said earlier, like Amari Cooper. Kind of makes yeah. sense. DK Metcalf. What about like a Marquise Brown or something like that? Is that yeah. too rich? I don't know. Hard to trade. Hard to get someone to deal Marquise Brown after he had 14 catches for 140. Sure. Yards. I don't think anyone's trading Marquise Brown after. Once that. again, psychoanalyzing the entire world. I'm just, I'm just being honest. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm not psychoanalyzing. It's like generally speak. No, I, I know. I, I know you are making it correct. Like your your points are valid. I'm just saying, like people make weird decisions, dude. In fantasy, I see weird trades all the time. Like, could you trade Cordero Patterson for Michael Pittman? I feel like absolutely not. But you don't like, think people you should do try. That? You can okay. try anything. I, you know, sure. I mean, hyphens. Someone might be trying to sell high on Marquise Brown because he just had seventeen targets. Well, I'm surprised you're gung ho that we that they could trade him for this random person out here who's in our example would, you, would trade Cordero Patterson for Christian Kirk. You think Christian Kirk is more likely to be shipped than Michael Pittman? Well, I mean, probably. I mean, depending where. I mean, you know. Someone could have drafted Christian Kirk like 80th overall. Someone drafted Michael Pittman like 30th overall. Like generally speaking, yeah, anchoring. Cut bait on someone who you took 30th overall. Yeah, but you want to talk about anchoring? Christian Kirk's the seventh receiver in fantasy right now. I don't know if I know. Patterson's fifth. It's like the same thing. They were going similar places in the draft. (laughs) I guess they have similar amount of points. I don't think we need to like. I just my feeling is we don't need to like figure out if something is realistic. These things are all like everyone makes weird trades in fantasy football. You don't think we should, we should go hypo- for it. hypothetically argue every single possibility in a trade? <laughs> just straw man everything? <laughs> just fucking, just like do the uh, Doctor Strange thing. It's like there's one billion possibilities <laughs> in the world. Yeah, I don't know. Shouldn't straw man everything. I just think when, when you ask about a player, hey, can I trade for this guy that just had 20 points? It's like the worst time to do it. Isn't that That's literally all- Christian Kirk? It's also Never. like maybe someone's trying to sell high. Like maybe they're doing the opposite of what you're doing. Maybe they're playing checkers and you're playing yeah. chess. Maybe you're. Maybe we're playing checkers. And Dude, there's a there's chess, a big thing happening in chess right now. Someone's oh my like god! Yeah, cheating. with this. Guy. All right. Wait. Okay. I yes. don't know enough about chess to sound even remotely like informed on this. All, all I know is it was interesting. I was reading about it yesterday. Uh, the like the big grandmaster guy. Uh, Wait, can we do the ad and come back to this? Because this is this is funny. All right. Sure. Tackle millions in prizes all football season long in FanDuel Fantasy Contest. If you're new to fantasy, there's no better time to get in on the action because right now, new customers get a free single-game entry when you sign up for FanDuel. Single-game contests are a great way to get in on the action for the week's biggest matchups with huge cash prizes up for grabs. Just draft your five-player lineup and put your best player in the MVP position where fantasy points are multiplied by one and a half. You could do Debo Samuel. 
Monday Night Football, baby. Plus, on FanDuel, you can also play full slate contests featuring multiple games, season-long best ball contests, and so much more. And when you win, you'll get paid fast. So kick off football season with a free single-game entry. Just download the FanDuel Fantasy app and start making every moment more. Age and location restrictions apply. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires after 30 days. It feels like the FanDuel with all the states and phone numbers, it's like swinging the bat with the donut on it, and then that one's like, you know. Just a walk in the park. <laughs> I like that analogy. That's good. All right. Do you want to do more football and hit some honorable mentions you guys sent me for by Lowe's? Do you want to get in the chess cheating thing? I'm just reading up about this chess thing. It's fascinating. I tell you. So Magnus Carlson, who He's is just plowed uh, right into the chess stuff. Yeah. yeah I'm not even stuff. waiting. Did you, was it rhetorical? Do I need to check with you guys? Well, no, he said, did you even hear him? He was like, should we get to the honorable mentions after power hours? Should we go into the chess stuff? And you were like, this chess stuff is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You guys can, it's your call. I'll no, hold. let's go. Let's well, go we already chess. Did it, so just do let's it. go chess. Yeah. All right. So the caveat here is I don't know anything about chess other than I did watch that movie about Magnus Carlsen, which is very fascinating. Um, anyways, he's like the world champion, whatever. And then he accused this other guy, uh, Hans Niemann, of cheating. And the most fascinating thing about it, well, I mean, at least to me, is the ways in which this Nielsen guy is potentially cheating. No, 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 not Nielsen. Matt, I don't think Nielsen's the one who cheated, but I, yes, I agree with it's Sorry, No, no, no. I said, Neiman, I, I meant Neiman. Carl, Magnus Carlson is accusing Hans Neiman of cheating. American teenager. The mechanisms of the story. Uh, so there's two ideas. Vibrations of electronic shoe inserts or the more salacious remote controlled anal beads. Yeah. I don't know how they're like telling him exactly. Maybe it's like Morse code or something like that. Um, Anyway, it's very fascinating because apparently uh, several like very high-level chess people have accused this guy, Neiman, of cheating because he's uh, admitted to cheating in the past a couple different times. And so they're like, you know, Tiger doesn't change his spots kind of deal. Um, and he basically hasn't had like... He, I'm, saying, I'm saying this in The Atlantic. His lackluster chess analysis and post-game interviews, and people are like, this guy doesn't know what he's fucking talking about, basically. <laughs> this guy doesn't know ball. <laughs> I think it's very fascinating. Watch the tape. Can I admit something to you guys? Yeah. This is how I win all the trivia. No <laughs> control butt plug. <laughs> I can see it. Are butt plugs the future of cheating? Is every baseball player just going to have a butt plug in their butt and people are going to be buzzing which pitch is coming into their anus? Oh, my God. Also, this guy, Neiman, has admitted to cheating when he was 12. He's only 19, by the way, this yeah. dude, Hans Neiman. Is yeah. he real? Oh, because I saw that he admitted to cheating when he was also 16. I'm like, yeah. oh, this forever ago. He's it's 19? Like, ah. Yeah, he's 19. So it's like, eh, that's alarming. He's th he admitted to cheating at the ages of 12 and 16 in an interview. Eh. Is it cheating if you have the butt plug in? I would think so. Yeah, I guess it is. It's not try you're not trying if you're not cheating, right? Um, I don't know. I think this is just a funny, fascinating story. But it's also like interesting from a point of view that you can like use computers to like model out potential strategies for chess. I don't know. That's the interesting part. It's not that we've reached the point of human history where we have remote control butt plugs in the first place. I think it's anal beads, not butt plugs. I mean, there's a there's a nuance difference there. Beads? B beads, not plugs. <laughs> I feel like um, Steve Carell in the Forty-Year-Old Version. It's like like a bag of sand. I'm have like, you yeah, ever I, I know a, what these things? Have are. you ever yeah. grabbed a boob? It's like a bag of sand. Yeah, like yeah. I totally know what the difference is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm totally aware of what that is. Do you think when when this Neiman guy was talking to his you know cheating consultant, 
he was like, so there's two options here. We could do the shoe thing, but they might catch you. You know, there's a metal detector. Like, who knows? Are they doing cavity searches at these chess tournaments? Uh, option they two is start. <laughs> you could you could shove an anal bead up your ass, and that that might work. Do you think he's like, God damn it? Uh, <laughs> I didn't sign that's up the only this. other option. <laughs> There's two options. That's, those are the only two. He's like a drug mule. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, did you want to do a few? Uh... Yeah, there's a fantasy punishment in here somewhere. Uh, honorable mentions, DK. You mentioned selling high on Garrett Wilson for the Jets receiver, Curtis Samuel for Washington, and then you also mentioned Greg Dorch for the Cardinals. I'm just going to cross off Greg Dorch. I got news for you, DK. No one's fucking trading for Greg Dorch. Okay. <laughs> You're going to fucking psychoanalyze. All the 200 million people playing fantasy. None of none of them will trade for Greg. Okay, George. Craig, please back me up here. I, I think you're giving people too little credit here, DK. Like people know what's going on. Do they? If you Do are the Craig? person setting out trade requests, so like, hey, you want Greg Dorch? Dorched. Maybe they heard me say Dorched. Yeah, maybe. It's a pretty cool name. Um But Curtis Samuel and Garrett Wilson are 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 more interesting. Garrett Wilson's so the ballsy one. I don't know if I really But like who would you trade f- that's what I was wondering was, okay, it's cool. Sell high for Garrett Wilson. What does that mean, though? Like, who are you trying to get for Garrett Wilson that you're like, ah, I've earned a profit? I don't know. It just depends because now I'm so worried about how people won't do anything because they're too smart and I'm not going to send out I'm any a, It's Greg Dorch, man. Am I really being, like, unreasonable here, Greg? No one has heard of Greg Dorch, man. Dorched. I would agree with Hyphen. <laughs> it's like a restaurant that you look up and it has no Google reviews, nothing on Yelp, but it's like, I'm going to take this? Like, you could trade Greg Dorch for, like... Trade him for anything, because he's going to get benched. Yeah. What if I you don't think get, someone like, with, fucking like... fucking Evan Ingram or something. Yeah, okay, sure. I guess you could get Evan Ingram for Greg Dorch. Like, I concede that. <laughs> Ingr- yeah, yeah Stop the person that we... psychoanalyzing everyone that plays fantasy. It's called context. That's all. <laughs> no. Maybe, like, could you trade Greg Dorch for, like, Michael Carter? Yeah, maybe something like that. Something like that. Yeah, if if you need like a, a third or fourth running back on your team, maybe. There you go. I like it. If anyone anyone is able to trade away Greg Dorch, please email us at ringerfantasyfootball at gmail.com. Also, I feel like people with Greg Dorch aren't trading him because they like added him week one and he's been great for them. And they're like, why the fuck? Well, I'm just gonna ride this ride until it falls off the track. Psychoanalyzing him. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I hate trade talk. <laughs> I don't know if that was clear. I don't know if that's been clear this entire Thanks, show. I DK. hate talking about theoretical trades. Well, thank God the segment's over. My God. Yeah, Curtis Samuel, I think, is a good one because I'm still convinced he's fool's gold and a bag of bones ready to break down. So I actually like trying to ship. Because <laughs> I think Dotson and I think McLaurin are better players and more reliable players. So, and I don't, three three receivers aren't going to last in Washington, and I would pick Curtis Samuel as the one to drop off. Mm, there we go. I will say that those three guys are the ones who play. Uh, if you could get anything for Curtis Samuel, sure. Maybe I mean, honestly, you know, you could get for Curtis Samuel. I bet Greg Dorch. Oh, easy. I mean, you could probably a terrible get Greg trade Dorch for you. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't trade. What about this? Chris if you have Dorch. Curtis Samuel, maybe trade him for like. Let me know what you think. Brees Hall. There we go. Not bad. Brees Hall's kind of on. It's on the up and yeah. up. That's see that makes more sense to me because we're gonna straw we just straw man everyone until it works. Yeah. All right. Uh, by the way, and I want to say this as a caveat: don't trade any of your good players for shitty players, and then get mad at us when you did that. Trade trade these guys for very good players, players that you them. think and know are good based on <laughs> listening to us, based on your gut, yeah. based on statistical research. You know, 
Don't just be like, this guy's playing like shit. That means he's going to get better. I'm going to trade for him. That's not the case. Yeah. yeah. All right. So I won't trade for DJ Moore. Good. Good to know. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Fantasy court. All right. All right. A league of 15 years is being torn asunder. Asunder. Good word. Who's this from? It's from Rowan. 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 Prior to the season, we tried to come up with a weekly losers challenge, but never set on, settled on anything, and ultimately the season started. After week one, a member of the league proposed that the weekly loser would be the person who has the lowest score for the week. The loser then needs to watch a random show and provide a synopsis of that episode via PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> this is generally accepted by everyone without much issue. Week this one is so comes. Funny. It is fun. Week one comes and goes, and the loser was a good sport and gave a nice presentation on Gilmore Girls season one, episode one. <laughs> so does the and league they, choose the show? Is that how it goes? Le- so, uh, so they, I, they sent, I'm so glad you asked. They sent a list mm. of, I guess they have a list of like 30 episodes that you can choose from. And they sent, and then whoever loses can pick one of them. And you, they sent along the list. It's Love is Blind, Japan, see the, the pilot, <laughs> Coco Melon, season of six, episode nice. one. They've got Last Tango. They've got Rhythm and Flow, uh, specific episodes for each of these. Charmed. They've got Knight Rider, Coach Snoop. Don't know what that is. I love, that these, aren't, I love that these aren't pilots. It's like yeah. Goosebumps, season four, episode four. Just it's dive like ep- right in. <laughs> episode two of season 12 <laughs> of The Challenge. Keenan and Kel, episode five. Is it Cake? The Floor is Lava. They just got a lot of great great Emmy award winning stuff here. Email continues. Moving on to week two, one of the members of the league has taken umbrage to the addition of a loser challenge. He also happens to be a lawyer and he will not let this rest. He references always the the lawyers. I swear to God. It is always the lawyers. Argument fetch. It's like they like arguing or something. Argument fetch. It's like my cousin Vinny. It's like my fault. Yeah. He references the following passage from the league constitution. It is the responsibility of all league members to read this constitution and review the settings and scoring rules before the draft. Wow, really take themselves seriously. But the constitution continues. No changes may be made after the draft. Oh, jeez. So the lawyer argues that this is a change that was I would not love to voted. Hear a judge, do yeah. that. The lawyer- <laughs> In the middle of arguments. Oh, jeez. Oh Get a load of this guy. Jeez. <laughs> What's this guy's deal? Look, you look at the other big. judge. But did everybody agree deal? on this after the draft, including the lawyer? Did, so, he ver- did they verbally he did agree, not. tacit agreement? Like, I think it was one of those, like, like this if you're cool with it, and like eight of 10 people probably liked right. it. Oh, the God. Get. So the lawyer argues that this change was not voted or agreed upon prior to the season, thus should not be subjected to following it. The counter argument is that 
this is not a setting. It's not a scoring rule. It's just for fun. And basically everyone else is, thinks it's funny and you should be subject <laughs> to it too. Yeah. <laughs> so what do the fantasy court think of this issue? Well, it was voted on, first of all, and it passed, right? But yeah. maybe just not unanimously. Yeah, I'd, lo- I'd, I'd like to know if the lawyer ever acknowledged that this rule was set in place and if he tacitly agreed to it. What if he had not? I don't think he did. I'm, I don't know. I mean, it's not like this. we're asking that much of you, dude. You have to watch an episode of Is It Cake? Like, come on. <laughs> I, I think that the from the lawyer's perspective, if I will lawyer for the lawyer, he's probably thinking, wait a second. There was some group chat with like 100 messages. I didn't read it. And then the, the draft has already happened. And you're telling me that because I had the lowest points this week, I now have to like watch this episode and make you a PowerPoint presentation. Correct. But you know what sucks about this? That's like the myopic view. But if you expand it out, like if he doesn't do it this week, he ruins the entire season because then next week, the guy who gets last is going to go, well, Jason didn't do it. So I don't have to do it. And <laughs> the, the whole season is spoiled. Also, it's funny. Just do it. It's funny. Or make it up. Yeah. Do like a, do like a fake PowerPoint. That might be more work than just actually spending 25 yeah, minutes to right. watch Is It Cake? <laughs> like, There's probably a PowerPoint on an episode, on this specific episode, somewhere on the internet. Just go so download it. Basically, our ruling here is the lawyer is technically right, but spiritually just really being annoying. <laughs> just like be yes. a part of the friend group, you know? Just do it. It's like, can we stop with the overly litigious people in fantasy? Like, that's just annoying. Everybody's so sensitive now. Uh, as <laughs> it's like a, it's just a part of our culture, just being litigious. Should we pick? Well, I mean, that is the basis of American law, isn't it? Well, just knock it off. Like this, we're trying to get out of this. Isn't the legal system? It's fantasy football. It's not. We're not the Justice Department. The noted perfect Justice Department of America. <laughs> if you guys had this happen to you, what episode would you pick? I think probably Love Is Blind, Japan. Wait, the, w- which one would you watch? Yeah, if you had a pick of this episode list that they sent. Is there the one? What's the one with nudity? I'd do that one. That, it's not on the list. I think that's Is It Cake? Oh, <laughs> oh God. What, I thought Love is Blind is about like. It's not. There's, there's no nudity in Love is Blind. Oh, damn it. What's the one with nudity? What are you talking about right now? I we thought fucking you were talked about the, it like on three episodes. Afraid. No. Well, the, Dating Naked? Isn't yeah. that what it's something no, like that? No, what was the show that we were talking about? That's a Britain? British show that we yeah. were talking about. What is it? Correct. What's it called? I don't know. What does it matter if it's British? This is it's Love not is on the Blind list. Japan. I know, but you were like, that one's British. I thought it was I thought it was a, the Japanese franchise of this show where they just look at each other naked. Oh, you confused Love is Blind with what we were talking about. No, Love is Blind is completely different. Love is Blind is like people going on dates that uh, they can't see each other. Oh, that doesn't sound nearly as funny. Dude, I would do MTV's The Challenge, season 12, episode two. The Challenge bangs. <laughs> I also like this. Someone threw a Knight Rider in there. Yeah, no, I, I think I know Rider. what it is. Well, Keenan and Kel is just incredible. Like the Who loves orange soda. I mean, oh my god! They should make the guy who gets last this season have to watch like a full show. Like the guy who gets last has to watch all of Criminal Minds, all of The Wire. <laughs> Craig, <laughs> you have to binge watch The Wire for the next eighty hours. Oh, you know, this is a nice pivot into a bunch of these emails we got about film nerds getting mad. Uh, we got a lot of emails because I referred to the. The Jaws shot or the dolly zoom as the Jaws shot in that, you know, oh, it's from Jaws. We got a lot of emails of people being like, it's not from Jaws, well, For context, Craig, when that- Kyler Murray was scrambling and Kyler Murray scrambling, they zoomed in on Kyler. 
You got Craig got well actually a lot. I did get well actually. I was like, oh, you know, he, <laughs> I don't even know how we started to talk about this like specific camera movement and camera thing, but I called it the jaw shot, and people were like, Craig, you know, it actually didn't. Steven Spielberg didn't invent that. It was invented by Alfred Hitchcock in Vertigo in 1957 or 58 or whatever. First of all, thank you for your email. We appreciate the listenership. Secondly, <laughs> I know that. <laughs> I'm aware. I was a film major. My, what I should have said, and I was incorrect, if you go back and listen, I was wrong by saying this. What I should have said is that the, the dolly zoom was popularized by the Jaws shot. Jaws mm -hmm. was like the first real blockbuster, one of the first blockbusters um, in American cinema. It made $500 million. Vertigo in 1958 made $7 million. Um, so not many people knew about the shot. That's why it's now colloquially referred to as the Jaws shot because it was in one of the most famous movies ever made. Was Sean Fennessy one of the people that emailed you, Craig? Was he, he was not, with you. but Sean's a listener, and I bet you he understood what I meant. <laughs> okay. I I love the idea of Craig, we like finally figuring out what triggers Craig, and it's well actually him on me a movie, <laughs> yeah. passionately responding to each email, being like, "I know, I'm sorry, I misspoke. It was popularized by Jaws." <laughs> like with DK, it's so easy to trigger him because you're just like, "Well, someone wouldn't make that trade," and he's like, ugh, ugh. "And it's like me. It's I mean, I feel like I'm triggerable, but Craig, it's." Usually inflappable. We figured it out. Yeah. It's just like you can't even define cinematography. <laughs> I guess not. Yeah. So <laughs> sorry, everybody. I now challenge all the people who know film listening to this to just every single time Craig has said anything wrong, please just because since he's so happy for the feedback, email serenefantasyfootballatchievement.com. <laughs> Before we go, real quick, I also we had an email from Julian. 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 Yeah. Julian. Incredible one. We were arguing the other day about whether Stan Getz or Andrea Bocelli was more famous. Julian oh, yeah. drops the hammer. I hesitate to call Stan Getz a one-hit wonder, but if anyone can name a song of his besides, like, you know, the girl from Ipanema. No idea how to pronounce that. The girl from Ipanema. Comes on. <laughs> Julian says I'd be shocked if anyone could name a Stan Getz song beyond that. However, Andrea Bocelli's music has not only been featured in major films, but Will Ferrell sang one of his songs at the Catalina Wine Mixer in Step Brothers. That was an Andrea <laughs> Bocelli him. song. That's hilarious. I'm so disappointed in myself because I swear I knew that and I completely blanked on that, but I knew that it was an Andrea Bocelli song that Bocelli <laughs> song that Will Ferrell sang. God. That's funny. Look. That's true. That's great. I like that. I would I would not say that Stan Getz is a one-hit wonder because you can only name one of his songs. Like he has a uh, many recognizable songs. Yeah, he's not a one-hit wonder. But whatever. I, I do think it's funny. We got some good responses. Someone put a thread together on Twitter about like all the badass things that uh Andre Bocelli has done. Like he's done some incredible things in his life. So we should recognize that. I don't have them on the top of my head, but like he he like sang for the queen and whatnot. I don't I don't know what they are, but congratulations. So he's kind of a one accomplishment wonder. Uh, I didn't have time to read all that, but congrats or sorry. I think you have like the <laughs> best selling classical music album ever. However, don't care about any of that. That was cool that you had the Step Brothers song. Congrats on all your success. <laughs> Catalina fucking right. wine mixer. That's all we got. All right. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Kai, for doing the timer and just really just giving us this freedom to to you know step yeah. out of this lie we were living. Thank you, Lauren. Lauren, thank you, the Kinks. Nice. You once again did have the opportunity to thank Andrea Bocelli there because you didn't actually thank him last week. Mm. Nah. Oh, is the Kinks for the the, the chess follow up? Yes. <laughs> oh, that's, that was, I get it now. It's good. You a lot of subtle meanings in those. No kink shame in here, guys. If you want to play chess with anal beads, there, go for it. <laughs>
like maybe it makes it more exciting. But just not in regulated competition. Just don't cheat. That's all we're saying. Yeah, we're cheat shaming. Also, if you win at chess, be able to explain why you won. That part thing. I don't think is weird. He's just trolling, probably. No, it's like this guy is is. I mean, assume if he's this, he's grandmaster. He's nineteen, right? I think chess is kind of like tennis. You just have to get it, like you know, do that for school instead of school from like the time you're eleven and you get really good at tennis. I assume this guy's been playing chess six hours a day for like ten years. It's like I don't really want to explain how this works to you. Like you can't your your me, meager brain could not your pea brain could not understand what I did in this game. So your simple little mind. <laughs> I I look at it more like is it stunning that the nineteen year old who's been playing chess eight hours a day for ten years isn't great at explaining himself on television? Eh. No, he, well, he can't explain it to other chess masters, grandmasters and whatnot. Oh, really? Like other chess? I thought it was like in an interview. They're like post game. Like, how'd you do the match? He's like, well, I, you know, it's like football players. It's like, you know, what do you want them to break down? the? Ex- you want to play good. You want your team to play yeah. good. I thought I played pretty good. We yeah. got to execute. I was seeing the board real well. <laughs> Things were moving. It's just in the in the zone, you know, if I if you will. Chess chess seems to one of those games that's like fun to play and relaxing but also you have to study it for 18 hours a day to be good and you also have to shove an anal beat up your ass that's that's not fun <laughs> i think the patriots would do the anal beat thing this cheater guy has a big tiktok following i think this pro this entire thing is probably a bit he's doing let's be real he's 19 yeah. this is all yeah. a prank i also i don't think it's real this is all for his youtube channel you don't think he's actually cheating well, we don't know if this has happened or how. Like the t- this is going to be like one of those, like you'll see in his YouTube channel in like six months, like in all caps, the title of the video will be like, I became a chess grandmaster using anal beads. <laughs> and it'll have like <laughs> one billion views. <laughs> I have no idea where to go. Okay, goodbye, everyone. It's like how Jake Paul became a really good boxer. Well, he didn't cheat, I don't think. I mean, he took steroids, I'm sure. <laughs> But I think he just actually practiced boxing. It's not technically against the rules. Yeah. I believe he just got good at boxing. I also don't think the anal beads would work with the boxing thing. <laughs> Tells you when to <laughs> do an uppercut. Tells you when to punch. <laughs> like a rock'em sock'em. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, someone's controlling his punches. Oh my God. That'll happen one day. That'll be something that we'll figure out. Battle bots. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.